Welcome to As We Speak. I'm David Sanborn, and on this episode, I talk with Samara Joy, an amazing young vocalist on the runs. We hear about her musical family, her introduction to jazz, and how she's dealing with her newfound fame. Samara Joy, it's such a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, you were talking about how crazy things are for you these days. It's, uh, I mean, a whirlwind would be a mild way of describing it, right? Are you home now? Yes, yes, I'm home uh, in my apartment in Harlem. Um, now I can finally move in after six months. <laughs> Where? What was your last? What was the last thing that you did with my family? Um, a holiday tour. We spent the whole month of December. Um, we went to Nashville. We went to Atlanta. We played at the Apollo Theater uh, with my 93-year-old grandfather. He came out and sang. Elder? In, well, Elder, Elder Goldwire. Yes. <laughs> he goes by the name Goldwire? Elder Goldwire McClendon. Right, right. And uh, so when, when you say going on the road with your family, that includes your grandfather, your father? My grandfather could only make New York and Philly. He doesn't travel as much these days, but my dad, my uncle, and my two cousins. I couldn't bring everybody. If I brought everybody, it would be it would be probably a 20-piece band or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your father, who is an amazing singer, by the way, uh, Antonio, I the, the, the duet that you did with him, the Christmas song, wow. I mean, I heard that, and it was like, so powerful and, and just the way you blended the phrasing it was so seamless well you've had 26 24 years how many ever many years to to practice that kind of blending you know learning from him like taking it all in from him as far as preparation and learning how to sing so it's nice to finally be able to do it together yeah i mean you're it's like really kind of the family business the singing and music it's, it's really what you came from i mean i I took the liberty of doing a little bit of research, and I heard some of the, you know, the, the what's the song? Uh, Trust Jesus. Oh, yeah. Trust Jesus. Oh, my God. I mean, I heard that, and it was like, it just knocks you over, the power of that voice. And, and uh, I mean, to you know, it's, it's such a great privilege to come up in that kind of environment, to, to be surrounded by that. Heart heavy laden, filled with despair. Did you start out um, uh, singing gospel before you were singing other stuff, or did you go right to pop music, or it was just kind of a mixed bag? Of I kind of had a mixed bag. I would say that um, the majority of things that I listened to centered around gospel and church and listening to uh, my grandparents and my dad. Um, but I remember, I mean, my mom, she loves Luther, Luther Vandross. She loves, uh, Shaka Khan and Stevie Wonder. My dad is a bass player as well. So I listened to, um, the brothers Johnson and a bunch of, a bunch of different things growing up. You know, it was a really, really great mixed bag. You know, what, what's interesting is the way you have assimilated jazz because ja you came to jazz later. Yes. in your life that wasn't really a focus of your your musical experience early on. And you really got to, into it in college, right? Uh, Pete Valenverney, who was up at SUNY Purchase, was kind of the, was he, would you say he was instrumental in kind of 
guiding you into the that world? Yes, because um, at the time, you know, I didn't really have much of a background in jazz at the time of like auditioning for schools, and I didn't audition for many because I was uh, looking for affordable options um, to to undergrad, and so I auditioned for SUNY Purchase. Pete was the head of the conservatory at the time, was in the audition room with me. Um, I knew one standard. I let a song go out of my heart. And I sang it, and um, I sang also a hymn with him as well. Um, and he, you know, even though I thought I didn't do too good, you know, he was like, we would love to have you be a part of the program. And I accepted, you know, and I feel like that was the first step of, of going on this this path and on this journey. Well, it's amazing how you've, assimilated jazz and not just the you know of course the repertoire but the and and the phrasing and the you know the placement of rhythm and all that but you've really absorbed the authenticity of jazz the way you phrase i mean you know it, you can hear influences but you're clearly your own voice in in the idiom and you know i i i hear such maturity and i i completely forget about your age, it, it's, it's totally irrelevant because what I'm hearing is a jazz singer. And just the way you phrase, the, you know, on the little things, the way you end notes, the way you start notes, it's like, you know, it, it just seems, and I don't know how much this is true, but it seems second nature to you. You know, it's not just surface. So, I, I mean, did you take to it like a, like a duck to water kind of? Pretty much, pretty much. I was fascinated. From from the, the beginning, like I had never heard Sarah Vaughn until I got to SUNY Purchase. Really? So hearing her for the first time, listening to like live videos of Gerald um, and Carmen McRae and Betty Carter, yeah. I was like, I I really I don't just want to you know pass a class. I don't want to yeah do the assignment. I want to I want to be able to actually uh, immerse myself you know in the music and kind of be a sponge. For like the feet, because I was used to gospel and and um, still some instrumental music here and there, like George Duke and things like that. But um, never, never, I guess in the in the, the style or the way that I'm doing it now, um, and definitely never having been exposed to singers like that. So yeah, I was fascinated from Jump. Promise that I won't stall. Maybe we'll get back together, starting from this incident. Well, it's in- interesting because, you know, I listened to your first album and then I listened to your second album and I hear you tapping into, on the second album, tapping into a little more of that Sarah Vaughan alto yeah. range, that, you know, <laughs> yes. you know and, and I always thought that, you know, I heard Sarah, you know, hearing Sarah Vaughan and, you know, the way she would uh, sing phrases like, and then I realized that's Luther does that. Exactly. I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and like, and and the, you know, the crowd, we, Luther would go down, whoa, 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 and go crazy, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and, and Sarah Vaughn did the same thing, and it's like you've incorporated some of those elements, but you made it your own. It, it, it doesn't sound like you're imitating Sarah Vaughan if just you've taken that that quality you know it's not I mean it's it, it just kind of amazing you know I 
I, I kind of took a deep dive into your world. Mm -hmm. And it, it's it, in, in one way because it's a relatively short period of time that you've developed as you've developed. But it's mm -hmm. like, wow, it's really impressive. And, you know, to hear you play with, with the great players that you play with, uh, you know, Pasquale Grasso, mm -hmm. who is just extraordinary. And the texture, your, your tonalities are so complementary, you know. And my preference, and this is just me, is when I hear you in a duo context, because then I can hear all the little nuance and the colors in in, in your voice. And uh, it, it, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for intimacy, mm -hmm. and you just tap that that thing so well. And and with Gerald Clayton, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just those, you know, when you hear somebody will. Uh, and, you know, you hear the breathing and the little, the way the notes end. I mean, it's just like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> you know. Well, thank you very uh, much. And then you surround yourself with, with great seasoned, sensitive players like Kenny Washington. He's like Yoda, right? He's just like, you know, swing you will. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, just got this, this sense of, I mean, he's been... He's been that way for 50 years. I mean, he was born 50 years old. Yeah. You know. It he, seems that way. It does. It, it seems and that he's, he's just like, you know, you turn around, like, I got you. I got your back. And and just to be able to, you know, surround yourself with people who are that supportive and that sensitive to what you're doing. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a great, you're in such a great place right now in, in your life and your development as a musician to well, be able to do that and it's just trying to do that in the face of this other media hurricane is really you know because it's the relentless part of it that just gets overwhelming I know having been through my own version of that much much earlier in my life I, I just you know it's like all of a sudden it's like oh, okay right <laughs> Like, w wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Just, you know. Uh, so, do you find that, I don't want to get too personal about this, but how do you, how you maintain your center through all of this, you know? At first, it was, it was definitely very difficult because I felt like I would, away from my family a lot, um, not even felt like I was, um, and I wasn't sure uh, what to do with just kind of being uh, the leader all the time, you know, and being asked, what are your plans? How do you feel? You're over Like I was so over, so overwhelmed by all that has happened. Um, and so maintaining my center really does uh, involve heavily talking to my family and making yeah. it as much as possible. Because um, I feel like on stage, you know, and when I meet with people, when I sign merchandise and stuff like that, it's like, oh my gosh, Samara. But when I'm home, I'm like, I'm just me, you know. You know, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about music. I'm thinking about um, what I want to do, how I want to grow even more, you know, with each gig, yeah. each night, um, with each opportunity that I'm given while I have the time to do so now. So that's how.
Yeah, well, it seems that, you know, your family, from the way you describe it, has instilled you with a really strong kind of moral compass, you know, and it's just like the fact that you can look to your family who are in this, I, I hesitate calling it a business, but in this situation uh, that it's like, okay, you have a reference, you have a, a sane reference for this situation. And I mean, it's like, you know, it seems like a, a, the way you're going is like, as long as you can maintain that kind of balance and that sense of an interior life, it's, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, you got it, you know, and, uh, I mean, I just want to get a little bit into to the record and some of the tunes on it, like the the song "Guess Who I Saw Today." The first time I heard that song was Nancy Wilson. Well, I think I was in high school. You know, I'm driving in the car and I hear this song, and it's this like story, and it's like this woman who I, I didn't know Nancy Wilson before that song was singing in a very conversational way, but she was singing, you know. Uh, you know, this, this, you know, and it occurred to me where I had parked the car. Mm-hmm. It was the most attractive French cafe and bar. It really wasn't very far. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just this conversation about, and it's just as the story unfolds, it's so, it's like a little, it's a heartbreak, you know. And and when I, when I heard you do it, because I'd never heard anybody else do that song except her, when I heard you do it, I thought, yeah, I believe that. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was so great to hear that song again and and done so well, you know. And once again, the way you inhabited that song, the meaning of the song, you took your time. You know, you took your time with that song. And that that's not a quality that a lot of people in the early stages of their life, their musical development have. It's like you took your time. No, don't bother to explain. And then the tune nostalgia, which is basically out of nowhere. The song, you're going to along from out of nowhere, which is, you know, uh, Fats Navarro kind of wrote that song. It's more or less an improvisation, you know. Um, Now, when you play the, the, obviously, the scat parts, now you work that out, right? You're not you're not well, improvising, but because of the the, the lyrics and stuff, right? Yeah, well, I wrote I wrote the lyrics to the melody, and on like the original recording, Fats Navarro was the only one to take a solo, right? And wrote the lyrics to his solo, basically. Wow! And yeah. So you you wrote the lyrics and you wrote. Oh, okay. So you wrote the lyrics to his solo, like like the way John Hendrix would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And I didn't realize that. So you wrote the lyrics because it, it sounds so like, yeah. <laughs> I figured after all this time and all these years together, all the memories made that you would be tired by now. I just get a really warm feeling listening to all these songs. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's great. Linger a while. You know, it's just like this is breakneck tempo yeah it's going on and you're just like oh, I'm you you know I'm just I'm, I'm taking I'm riding I'm riding away exactly right I'm just riding away and then you get to Pasquale's solo and he's like mm-hmm. wow <laughs> Thank you. 
I, I wanted to just, you know, ask you about some of your, some of the pop influences that you had. Like, I yeah. know that your parents, you know, grew up in that, uh, not not grew up in, but were certainly brought in a lot of pop music, like the Whispers. Oh yeah, and, and the Isley Brothers, and what was that Whispers tune? Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. Rocksteady. It's just steady rocking all night long. Loves that song. I do not. Some of the singers that came out of gospel, like Patti LaBelle, Whitney Houston, Dionne Warwick. I mean, did you feel any kind of uh, a connection? Yeah, I can definitely recall uh, trying to learn Whitney Houston songs. You know, using uh, instrumental versions. <laughs> yeah, trying to like sing it to the best of my ability, uh, like her or something like her. Um, yeah, I've gained a lot of, a lot of inspiration from people like Whitney Houston and like Stevie Wonder. Um, and even like Angela Winbush and like, yeah, I, I feel like I always, I always enjoyed not only listening to my family and listening to the little details that kind of make their voices special or make their interpretation so special, but I enjoyed doing the same for you know, every song that I listen to because of the dynamic, is it because of the vibrato, is it because, you know, I love, you know, trying to find out those things so that I could, you know, absorb it and have it become a part of me so I could subconsciously, whenever I decide, you know. I mean, has this been your experience? What, like, just like you described, listening to these singers, whoever they are, whatever the idiom is, just kind of absorbing that and then figuring out how to send that back out into the world filtered through your own experience i find that when it when i touring has helped me a lot when it comes to that because yeah. when i was at purchase i was just i was listening and kind of i was imitating everything like i was like you know i'm i'm new to this i want to figure out you know how i can how i can develop my instrument you know so that i can not only sing this and be good at th- be good at uh singing this genre of music um and make feel good and, and being tasteful with my ideas, but having the facility to do anything that I want, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I get, well, even listening to the albums that I have, I'm like, wow, I, I know I was listening to a lot of Ella then because I can hear you know, certain things that I maybe tried to remix, for lack of a better word, you know, I heard her do, but maybe I'll start it on a different part of the beat, you know, or something like that. Yeah. You know, get out of the habit of, of imitating and of doing something exactly the way I heard it recorded. Um, like an album, I'm like, okay, I was getting into some more Betty Carter, uh, some Etta Etta Jones, some more Gloria Lynn, you know, trying to, uh, get, get a better, uh, feel, um, and interact with the musicians more, um, and be more confident with my ideas. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a fan of that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, that's the process. That's, that's what you do as, as a musician, you you assimilate these things. You you know first kind of it's on the surface, and then you kind of imitate, and then you internalize. See, I don't hear, I don't hear you like I never got the sense of like oh okay now she's doing Ella, yeah or, oh oh now she's doing Sarah, that you know so whatever the process is, it's working. You know what I mean? It's it's working because. You know, I mean, I, I I know where some of this stuff comes from. Like, 
But mm -hmm. I, I hear it more like, like what I said before about <clears throat> tapping into that other range of your voice, that more breathy alto region of your voice like Sarah does. But you've got a, you've got a different voice than her. So you take what is appropriate and make it your own. Seems to me <laughs> that if you that, that if you continue doing that, I mean, there's really no that, and just like trying to to navigate all the other stuff that comes flying at you, you know, and that that in a way is is you know, I think more of the challenge at this point. It's like not to to succumb to the some of the outside pressures that are relevant to what it is that you're doing. I mean, you're continuing to grow, hopefully as we all do as musicians, no matter what your age. You always want to be evolving. But no one to love me, lover man, I'm looking over here at some of the, at uh, the, the playlist of your early record, Stardust, you know, um, It Only Happens Once, uh, Lover Man. Particularly, I mean, that's such a hard song to do, you know. It's like, you know, to get to the bridge, and it's like, okay, now <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and that's that one where I definitely, I borrowed ideas from Sarah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can get away from it. She just sings it too good, you know. But Yeah, it, it's it's hard to avoid that because... In, in a way, but I don't hear, I don't hear you imitating her. I, I mean, I, I hear the, the influence. I hear the, you know, the uh, uh, sensibility that, that, that she has. I've heard another interview where you talked about going to the Grammys and all of a sudden being surrounded by these people, Beyonce, and all these people that, you know, five years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, it's like that was another world. Now you're in that world. You know, all of a sudden you are a part, a big part of that world. And it's like, okay, that's no mean feat to try to, you know, all of a sudden you're in that world and to keep your head on straight. I mean, that's a, that's a full-time job. And uh, I mean, what? How, how did you experience that was it just like wow for about four days more like four months honestly <laughs> I was really really in shock I did not expect to win I I when we were in the studio recording Linger while I just I wanted to make a good album you know honestly it's like you know I wasn't thinking oh this is going to be the one <laughs> you know yeah yeah not a winner here you know uh and so the fact that people responded to it like that and then two months later to get those nominations. I mean, it was really, really something, very special moment. I brought my whole family out to LA and we got an Airbnb in Bel Air and <laughs> running around all the space in there. Um, and uh, the fact that I, I mean, even more so the fact that I got to experience it with them was, was really special. Um, and I just, you know, one day at a time, you know, I think in a lot of ways, the, the eyes of the world being on me was pretty crazy and, I'm I'm still uh, still uh, grasping, you know. Yeah, happened, but they're uh, they're safe in the box, at, <laughs> and my parents. Yeah, yeah don't look at them too much. No, <laughs> right, right. Just <laughs> that's the key thing. Yeah, you, 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 looking at looking at them, it's like, oh, <laughs> I got. Now oh. what am I gonna do? You, you know. Yeah, 
And I, I definitely understand your point earlier talking about, you know, people, some people who wish that I, you know, you'd stay with one thing, the thing that they fell in love with, the sound that they might have fallen in love with. And yeah, not um, how artists work. <laughs> That's not how it works. The creative, you know, the creative impulse. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it leads you into unusual places that seem to be at odds with the other part of your life. But you can't deny that the truth of arriving at that moment. It's just like, it's just like you know, I don't, I, either I don't feel this anymore, I don't understand how to assimilate where I've been into where I, I hear myself going. And it's like, in a way, you, you come to all these moments in your, your, the life of an artist we have to, it gets more difficult. Got it. Okay. Especially when you've achieved success at a certain point in your life. And, you know, like we've said this before, but where all the pressure is to stay there. But then where do you, how do you go from there? And the best answer, the, the truest answer seems to be, I don't know. You know, and that's the, that's the most honest and best possible answer you can have is I don't know and I don't really want to know you know it's going to go where it goes and you know being true to yourself it's an easy thing to say it's a hard thing to do you know Um, and uh, I you know I, I just I'm so excited to see you you know how you how you evolve, and I'm just like I'm at the on the sidelines, kind of yay, go go wherever you want to go. I'm with you. You know what I mean? Because you got the goods. You know, there's no question about that. You've got it all, and uh, if you know, you just keep following your instincts. I mean, anyway, I'm jumping around a lot, but I mean, I just have so many observations and questions and all that about about you. Like when you did Around uh, Midnight. Now that was the only one that had a like a band on. Like who did the charts on that? Oh, uh, the same uh, saxophonist, tenor saxophonist that arranged Lush Life, uh, which got a, a, a nomination for our best arrangement. Hendrick McAllister, that's his name. It's a great arrangement, and uh, once again, you killed it. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of. The, there's so many other things I want to ask you. We could be here all day, but you know, but I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, um, I'm just so appreciative that you agreed to do this, and I, I wanted to you know, touch base with you to tell you what a great fan I am of yours. And, and, and you know, it's, it's an inspiration to hear you sing and to, to watch you grow as an artist. It's like, it makes me optimistic about the future of this music. And to, you know, to see that you obviously have your head on straight and you got a strong moral compass. So, I mean, just, yeah keep on i appreciate your your encouragement and your your kind words and your support you know on this platform it means it really means everything 
Well, my pleasure. It was easy. <laughs> this has been As We Speak, a podcast from WBGO Studios. This episode was produced by Trevor Smith. Billy Robinson is our executive producer. And the president and CEO of WBGO is Stephen A. Williams. I'm David Sanborn. Can't get out of this dream. What a fool to dream of you. Wasn't part of my scheme to sigh and tell you that I love you.